Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. He's Pat, I'm Rajan, and recording this about 30 hours or so after the Washington football team absolutely demolished the loathsome, abhorrent, despicable, godless, wretched Dallas Cowboys by a final score of 25-3. to Um, I have a couple thoughts to kind of start things off on this. Um, If I had a genie, the hypothetical genie that we're all accustomed to who could grant me three wishes, and one of the wishes is you can't, or like you can't do the wish for more wishes thing, um, I think my three wishes would probably be world peace, uh, my daughter to never ever suffer a bad day for any reason for her entire life, and for Washington to never lose against the Dallas Cowboys. Like I would legitimately choose those three things. In my world, I've said this to many, uh, many other people, I think I've even written about this. When we beat Dallas, like everything is more perfect. Like a win is wonderful. Everything is just, it sets the rest of the week off on a nice, on a nice note. But like when you beat Dallas, it's, it's just different, right? Like you actually love your job more. Your bacon is crispier. Your wife's boobs are suddenly bigger. Like just everything is better. Right. And I think the one thing that just made this victory that much more sweeter was the fact that that was an absolutely pathetic performance by the Dallas Cowboys. Like that was hilariously bad. Um, I I was trying to come up with a metaphor for how bad Dallas played yesterday. And um, I call it Dorothy's friends was the metaphor that could come up with because if this were the wizard of Oz, uh, the Cowboys were the scarecrow, the woodman, the lion, because they had no courage. They didn't have any brain and they sure as shit didn't have any heart. Like they were awful. And like, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from the the fact that we beat the most hated team in America, the team that literally everyone hates outside of like that brain dead group of mouth breathing fans of the team known as the Dallas Cowboys. Quick aside, shout out to my friend Amit, who is a rare exception in Dallas Cowboys fandom because he's actually the rare, intelligent, and rational, pragmatic Cowboys fan. He's a rare exception, otherwise 99.9% of everybody else fits in that mouth-breathing group. But, like, again, that was a piss-poor performance by a really bad team, and every, everyone else should aside should be. Like, you should be legitimately ashamed of yourself if you root for the Cowboys. Um, and, and, and to kind of bring it full circle, as a fan of the Washington football team, we find ourselves on the wrong side of these affairs far too often. So to be on the right side of things was really, really nice. Um, Pat, I'll, I'll turn it over to you now. Yeah. The, <clears throat> being Dallas is awesome. Um, and I agree. It's, there's no team. I think across all sports, there's no team I dislike more than the Cowboys. Um, and I just, the, the swing of emotions, I think, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday to, you know, 5 o'clock. With the Redskins fandom in general, you know, Saturday, my friends and I are texting each other about, like, anybody watching Fields? Like, he looks pretty solid today. And then 5 o'clock on Sunday, it's like, okay, who can we trade for and make a run at this thing? All within just because we looked good. And, and it, look, we are still not very good. Um, and that's okay because – so many times we've come into a game either overhyped or looking down on somebody and gotten our shit pushed in. Um, and, you know, we'll say, oh, we'll win this game. And then we just turn around and lay an egg. Well, nobody laid an egg bigger than Dallas. I mean, we went, I mean, we didn't score a touchdown on the opening drive, but for all intents and purposes, we, we, we put might, our, might as well have, we might as well have ended the game on that drive. I mean, Dallas didn't want to be there. 
Um, yeah, sure, they stopped us. But two plays later, Landon Collins forced the strip sack, and, and we had the safety. And the safety was fun to watch because when the tight end for the Cowboys picks the ball at the end zone, you can just see his eyes like get really big because all of a sudden Chase Young, Montez West, Jonathan Allen all converge on him and just blow him up. Um, and my favorite part of the game, I think it was kind of a microcosm for uh, for the game, was when the when Diggs for the Cowboys was talking shit to Terry, and and the cameras caught it, and you can see like you never see Terry yap ever, um, and you know he's yapping back too, and I was like, oh sweet, and I remember saying out loud, I was like, I really hope we just chuck one here, and sure enough. The Chuck next one. play is a 52-yard touchdown. And not only do we score, but McClellan just ran a straight nine route on the on the route tree, straight go, and ran right by him. Diggs, I don't even know what Diggs was doing. Diggs committed two cardinal sins on that play. After yapping his mouth off at Terry, oh, he so commits great. both the, the cardinal sins. If he looks back at the quarterback and he bites on the stutter and go. Now, to your point – McLaurin just ran a nine route. Like he just ran by him. And I don't know. just ran a go route. And Diggs basically had cement shoes. He just waited for a second while staring at the quarterback. And it's like, both of those things are things you don't do. And he did them after running his mouth. And then of course, lo and behold, you know, McLaurin has three yards on him already. On his way down. So that play was kind of a microcosm. I'm trying to let my dog up here real quick. Uh, For the game. The other one I have is, is, um, when Holcomb just fucking annihilated. Zeke. I thought that's where you were gonna go with that with with the microcosm. I was like, oh my god, that was the most jiffable moment of that entire. Game. I mean, he blows it. I mean, you can even hear it. I was like, good lord, um, Holcomb played great. Uh, I don't know. It was just everything. You know, the bacon is crisper when we beat the Cowboys. It's true. Like it is for all this talk about tank for Trevor or like we got to be in this draft pick in order to get Fields or Lawrence or whatever. It still feels awesome to win. And maybe it's because I'm just so tired of losing because that's pretty much all I've known in my entire life, uh, at least with this team. It still feels great to win. And then when we just put it on ESPN.com's Super Bowl team from the NFC and just, I mean, we fucked them up. There's no other way. Even we called the dogs off. We went to straight running. We had Barbara was in there getting 12 carries or whatever he had. Um, I don't know. It was, it was awesome. And I'm, I'm going to give a small shout out to start this whole podcast out to Morgan Moses. I mean, you know, he's played his ass off this season and we've been, I've been very critical of him in the past, especially when, you know, he doesn't know the stat count either starts too early or doesn't start at all. Um, and he's basically been playing with no ankles for years. Uh, but he, a, he's played great all season going back to week one when he basically dominated the Eagles himself. And then on Gibson's touchdown run, him and Sheriff completely, completely sealed that little like gap the, for the seal on the right side that Moses did was, was fantastic. It was beautiful. The left side collapsed the entire line. Like they were supposed to. And the, that seal that he had, you could see like, it was a beautiful. It, three was, foot like, hole it was like, you could just run Red right seas parted. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah. It, so I just don't think we give Moses enough credit sometimes uh, because even when he does suck, he still finds a way to play. And you could tell he was hurting all game. And I really hope that groin's not a problem. Uh, but shout out to him. Cause I think, I think those guys really established, um, you know, really helped us establish the game yesterday and, and ultimately run all over 
uh, Mike Nolan's defense because he might as well get get some more uh, vanilla ice cream from old. I was going to say vanilla ice Barry. cream. Nolan re- reared his head again, man. Yeah. They're awful. I mean, they're they're awful. So. I think one of my favorite moments of the game, low-key, that people may kind of have overlooked, um, Washington's first drive after halftime, it was fourth and four on the Dallas 41, and Rivera punts it. And in any other situation, you would get – I need to get a Tressway jersey. Tressway nails the punt as usual because Tressway is a punting machine. But I love the fact that Rivera punting was almost an F you to the Dallas offense, saying like – I'm not afraid to give you the ball back because you're that bad. Like you've been so bad today that instead of risking fourth and four in your territory, I would rather pin you back and make you do anything as opposed to potentially even giving you a smodicum of life. Like that's how much your offense stunk today. And I have no problem giving, you know, giving you the ball, knowing I got Tressway, the punting machine going to pin you back there. But like, I loved it. It was a literal F you to the Dallas offense. Like you suck. And I have, I'm not, I don't even need to worry about like gambling to give my offense a little spark and to get a few points on the board. Like I'd rather just you shoot, you kick yourself in the dick. I mean, no, it's an F you. It's also like a come score in my defense. Like we're the number one pass defense in the entire league, which is so hard to believe. No, granted, like we've gotten, a little lucky, like C.D. Lamb dropped the ball like five times yesterday. C.D. Let's C.D. Lamb, right? So um, I, I mentioned this in <laughs> he, our, in our not very good <laughs> in our Slack thread with my friends, right? Like a lot of smart draft people had C.D. Lamb as their top wide receiver going into the draft. I can't hate it. Uh, a lot of people compared C.D. Lamb to like you know diet, if not not diet, full calorie DeAndre Hopkins, right? Like a lot of people like there's a lot of that in this game, and you could see it if you watched a lot of his highlights. Lamb was awful. He was bad like a couple of legit just really 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 bad drops um it, it was there was surprising a there was see. a slant where if he caught it he, i don't think anyone would have caught him he the the one i want to we'll get to this when we talk about you know one of the beasts from yesterday the biggest beast from yesterday's game but like the play before holcomb blew things up um there was the there was that shot to lamb into the end zone he should have caught that like that should have been a touchdown a good receiver catches that ball cd lamb didn't good? catch that there was um it was it was uh, I'll get to we'll, we'll get to the that one Everett broke up. Yes, the one yeah the one Deshazer Everett broke up. Yes. Yeah. Lamb should have came down with that. Low key, he's made our defense so much better with keeping Abby on the goddamn bench. Um, yeah, we're also the fourth overall defense. So like, and you got Sweat and you got Young on the other side. I know a lot of a lot of people. Some people I personally know, uh, you know, who really wanted us to draft to a. You know, of course, he's sitting out like, oh, Chase only has two and a half sacks. And I'm like, well, he's also one of the highest graded edge defenders in the league right now. Uh, and what happens is he gets chipped, he gets doubled, and Sweat's one-on-one, and he's just destroying people. Sweat's like third in the league and tackles for loss. He has five sacks. Not to mention when he comes off the field, Kerrigan has four sacks, and he's averaging like 15 plays a game. Um if anyone has anything bad to say about Montez Sweat, I'm going to stop that right now. Montez no, no, Sweat, not about Sweat, about Young. About oh yeah, Young. no, about Young, but even about Sweat in particular. I know you're talking that your friend was Tua over Young, but Sweat. Montez Sweat has more sacks than Chris Jones, Joey Bosa, and Khalil Mack entering yeah. tonight's game. Preston Smith has half a sack, right? And Montez Sweat, I think he's at five right now through seven games at the moment. Dude, he, he Two sacks four, yesterday, four, three QB hits, and Chase Young, man, like. 
I, I knew this was going to happen. I knew that people are going to be like, if he doesn't have eight sacks every single game, people are going to be like, oh, he's a bust and blah, blah, blah. If you were, if you watch this team every he week. Doesn't watch, and, he doesn't watch and, once we change our name. <laughs> and you don't, especially the games that Young has played this season, he's really missed some time with injury. And you don't see the impact that he's provided to this defense. You don't understand the game of football. I'm sorry. You just don't. Like you are, you're missing everything and you're just a box score watcher, which apparently your friend is. God, Foles is so bad. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he's, he knows football and he's a great guy, uh, but he was so enamored with Tua, um, which I get in, in a lot of ways. And he predicted this would happen. He was so out on Haskins. Uh, and he was like, why not take Tua when he could change the franchise? And I was like, eh, kind of right, but also Chase Young is also kind of could change the franchise. Um, but regardless, a couple things about this defense. That really showed up, I think, in uh, in the game. One, I think Everett replacing Apke. Everett's not – he's not a game-changing player, but he's always in the right place at the right time. And he makes tackles. He's a very sure tackler, which is why he's so good on special teams. Also, fun fact about Everett, not a fun fact, just something I've observed. Didn't happen this game, but I feel like he hurts somebody every single game or he has like an uh, unsportsmanlike conduct or like a late hit or like a helmet-to-helmet hit. Remember when he blew up Sproles? Like, he almost killed Sproles. Once. Yeah. Oh, that was a vicious hit. Yeah. So, that's Everett. Two, uh, the insertion of Cole Holcomb, now that he's finally healthy, the speed at linebacker just totally changes. KPL's very fast. Um, and – no, but he's fast. Uh, Holcomb is very good. Um, I texted you after. I was like, I think he's a stud. And then I was like, wait, I'm not sure if he's a stud, but he's still really good. Um, it just makes our defense pretty, you know, decent. Like Darby's played pretty well. I know you don't like Darby, but he's played well. Um, Fuller is worth every goddamn penny. The yeah, no, PFF is very, 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 very high uh, on Kendall on Kendall Fuller. And low key, my favorite player on the <laughs> on the defense is Moreland. I love love when teams throw those quick wide receiver screens, and Moreland, who's always the smallest dude on the on the field, finds a way to blow it up. People's I love it. I was so hoping that JMU kid would throw a pick to Moreland. I wanted it to happen so bad. Yeah, quarterback Ravioli, man. I couldn't remember his name, but like that guy, um, <laughs> I, I just felt terrible for him. Um, my, oh, uh, he completed his first pass, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, I did, <laughs> I, I did get that, that sinking Tony Romo feeling for just a second, and I'm like, no, it's not their day today. Like, it's just not. Um, a couple things stuck out for me in particular about Dallas. And it's funny because like when you really, really hate a team, and I don't know if you find yourself doing this, but like when you hate a team in particular, you kind of end up watching them more. And I know the NFL shoves Dallas on you all the goddamn time, but like you just, it's for some reason, like the team you hate the most, you end up watching them the most. So I watch a lot of Dallas, just, I don't know, maybe it's self-flagellation or whatever. And, um, in particular with this regime, and like I know it's early, and you know it, it, Mike McCarthy's only had a few games in, and like the, you know there's the COVID offseason, yada yada so forth. But like, you know, I was texting my friend, my friend Amit that I was referencing in terms of like being a Cowboys fan, and I'm like, explain to me why they're taking Ezekiel Elliott off the field when he's your best offensive playmaker, and he himself was expressing he's like, yeah, I don't, I, I just, I don't get it. You know, this coaching staff's a bunch of idiots. Um, and to that end. <laughs> Fucking what's his name's not going to make it to the end of the year. I don't uh, Mike McCarthy. Uh, I think McCarthy is going to be fine. Like I know, you know, it's funny to talk about the fact he could be one and done as a head coach. Mike Nolan is not going to make it to the end of the year. 
I, do, I believe that if he does make it to the end of the year on, on Black Monday, he's gone. Like, that, that's a, that is a layup. Like, there's just no way that that's not, not going to happen, right? Like, that's done. He, and his, his defenses so, weren't even vanilla ice cream. It was just like it, – it, it was vanilla ice milk, right? Like, that was, that was some shit. Um, but the offense, right? Like, McCarthy's uh, knock in Green Bay was, like, unimaginative, uninspired – um, nothing, you know, nothing exciting or nothing uh, like potent or whatever. Like 2.6 yards per play against our defense, 2.6 yards per play, 13 uh, yards on seven, 13 yards or less on seven of your nine drives, 13. Like that's terrible, that's right? 142 total yards on a day. Like I that's get John, that, that's John that, Beck that, that. Exactly, right? That's some John Beck level shit. Like I know Andy Dalton's your quarterback. I know you've got like – you know, Larry Curley and Mo on the offensive line, but like, man, 142 yards, that's like second half of, you know, a Jay Gruden season type of offensive ineptitude where you literally have nobody, you've got a bunch of guys working for FedEx on the offensive line. Like that's bad. Yeah. It's, it's, they did have, you know, probably someone signed off the street playing offensive line. It just, for them, like if I was a Dallas fan, I'd, I'd be sitting there like, we just played arguably the best line in football. Uh, that's my that's the only way I could survive as a Cowboys fan because those guys just got annihilated. Uh, Deron Payne was eating people. It, I love Payne. I fucking love that guy. Um, sweat blew up everything. Chase Young. I, every time they would show Chase Young on the sideline, he was like fired up yelling at a coach. And the coach had to be like, this is what's going on. He was like, yeah, I got it. I got it. Like you could see him just being like, I'm, gonna, I'm going to kill everybody in front of me. Uh, do they have a sustained drive outside of the two-minute warning one where we picked it off in the red zone? Uh, that was one maybe maybe towards the end of the game. I actually even stopped paying attention at the end of the game. Like my little one came downstairs and she was kind of tearing around in the room. But like other than that, like I, I like by, by the time it was like three minutes left in the game. So I think at, they might have had some garbage, like garbage, garbage, garbage time movement. I didn't even need to pay attention for the last like two minutes. Um, but no, short answer is no, I don't think so. They had they had like fourth and four or five on our like 45 or so, and they went for it. And Chase Young just blew the play up, and then Dalton threw it deep, uh, incomplete. Then two plays later, Terry scored 52 yards, and the game was essentially over. The game was over at halftime. So – um, I don't. I don't want to jump to this, but I, I will say this because we're talking about Cole Holcomb. Um, spoiler, and I know this may even our uh, our pre pre thing planning. I, I was going to have him at number two for our three up, but like Cole Holcomb is my number one. I, I, I decided he's the number one for uh, coming out of yesterday's performance. Um, I think his interception at halftime was the knockout punch. Like that was the one where that where Dallas is like, nope, it's just not happening today. Because like to your point, Dallas was driving. And if Dallas scores, it's now 22 to 10, right? And you're like, okay, it's a two-touchdown game, and there's an entire half of football to play. It is a very doable game, right? Um, and the play before that, as I mentioned, or two plays before that, was when um, – so a couple plays – a few plays before that, they had a third and 10. Uh, what's his name? Dalton throws it to Mari Cooper. They convert. The play before uh, Dalton has uh, – before uh, Col- Holcomb builds it up, Lamb should have caught the touchdown pass. And instead, it bounces off Zeke's hands, Holcomb intercepts it, and then we down it, and it's halftime. And now it's like our best scoring chance of the half went up in smoke. We got no points out of it. Like that's yeah, just, and then, that takes, them, then they were three and out to start the second and half. And then they were three and out to start the second half. Like we, we took the wind out of everything. I, I believe, as 
crazy as that might sound like it was almost like the play of the game because that basically said like, no, not today. It was almost a nail in the coffin. Yeah, no, it's, oh, man, it was, it was so awesome. Like, it's so awesome to be able to talk to you and be like, yeah, I remember this, remember that. And it's yes. all positive. <laughs> um, I want to give a hat tip. You'd mentioned it. So uh, Chase Young, final note on him. First of all, like just anyone who is looking at his sack totals and trying to justify how he's not been an awesome player needs to just, you know, sh- shut the bleep up immediately, right? Like just you're an idiot. Um, if you want tangible evidence, the fourth and one attempt right before McLaurin's touchdown, uh, they went for, they tried to throw that bootleg pass or Dalton tried to throw that. Guess who was literally doing the Vitruvian man right in front of Dalton's face, breaking that up. That was Chase Young screaming off the, the, the line of scrimmage. And Dalton was basically forced to throw in a fourth and one. I think it was one or two plays later, McLaurin hit, gets the bomb, the, the 52 yard from Kyle Allen, right? Um, props to Del Rio. He designed at yeah, least. He's, he's he's they did a great job of making sure that the Cowboys offensive line was already bad and they were off balance the entire game. Like so many different looks, whoever the idiot commentator was during the game, like I think it was Daryl Johnston was like, you know, was showing the way that they were kind of like messing with all their lines, their fronts and the way they were attacking to just make them think that much more. Obviously it worked. Um, great stuff like well well designed game plan and the entire defense i mean almost the, like when can we legitimately say that we don't have anybody to gripe about on the defense i mean never uh, i'm all i'm gonna say is i was right take apke out and this would happen <laughs> who can always, disagree with you i will always throw shade at apke because i he was the worst uh i mean the defense is they're in the right spot i was looking at uh, i saw some tweet today from the woman who the new post, the lady uh, Nick Jabala, fellow Brown, yeah. Brown. She uh, she posted a tweet from like our first four games versus our last three games, and our last three games, granted, we're playing offenses that are not nearly as good as Kyler Murray, uh, but we're only average. Like the last three games, we're only giving up three big plays a game, and we're getting on average three and a half sacks a game. Our interceptions are up. Like the whole defense is just so much better and i have to go look at the exact stat but for del rio he took over a parent carolina panthers defense that was ranked 27th i believe drafted julius peppers, peppers and they finished fourth in the league he took over the broncos who were dead last in the league defensively they drafted von miller all of a sudden they dropped to number two we were 27th last year we drafted chase young and now we're fourth overall um Sure, some of that is like being able to get generational edge rushers for sure. But like this guy, everywhere he's been, defenses have been good. Uh, I don't know why or what, but you know he deserves all the credit in the world. Just he needs to chill with the tweeting. Uh, <laughs> and <we're> uh, but he's amazing. Uh, I mean, our whole defense looks our whole defense looks good, and the offense. The offense, the athletic wrote a good article about doing less with more, basically, or doing more with less. Excuse me. Um, we're like, it's still. I mean, Rivera said it after the Eagles game. I think it's that he was like, it's going to take us sixteen games to figure this out. And there's been some growing pains for sure, but you're starting to see a little bit of what we can and can't do. And Terry, after the game, was like, uh, McLaurin said, you know, we're starting to execute, so they're opening up the playbook more and more. Uh, we took some, you know, very well-designed shots down the field. Now, I don't know how well-designed the Terry play was. I mean, I fucking could have made death row. Uh, I was going to say, he just burned. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, but, like, 
I don't remember a time before this game where on third and short, we haven't handed the ball off to Barber, right? We did a play action. We took the tight end, Thomas, super spreader, coming all the way across the field. And he beat um, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, who's terrific in coverage. Um, one-on-one, broke the tackle and took it into the end zone. Like, that was that was the play where – and it sounds third and one. And, you know, if you're a Rams fan, you're like, oh, we play action third and one every down or every time. We don't. We yeah. usually, we usually just give Barber. the ball to Barber and say – Let's pray we get this yard. So it was encouraging. It was encouraging. I, uh, God, it's just it's so fun to talk about wins. Uh, we should do it more often. I was gonna say let's get the, the three down out of the way because like I don't want to. I don't want uh, to 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 rain on this parade. Um, you know, initially I was going to say like I was as I was writing taking notes throughout the game and like the getting stuffed on the fourth and goal in the opening drive felt a little ominous to start the game. Um, right side got kind of collapsed on. My buddy texted me right before that touchdown because they had the touchdown and then <laughs> we got stuffed. He goes, fuck it, just tank. <laughs> right. Here's your roller coaster like, yeah, emotions right there. Right. Yeah. Um, it felt like those are the types of things where you like, you go for it. And then um, I think Dallas got some room on a penalty and it's like, it just felt like those are the things that come back to bite you or like to haunt you later on in the game. Clearly that was not the case. So, you know, that, not the best way to start the game. Obviously we up made up for it, as you mentioned with the safety, um, which was just a yeah. lot of fun to watch. We false, we jumped off sides of the first play and I was like, Jesus Christ, here we go. Um, I think there were, if there's two things that really were kind of ugly in the game. Um, John Bostick's hit on Andy Dalton. Oh, dude, just kick him off the team. It was, it was really bad. As merely a devil's advocate perspective, there is an argument. I'm not saying I'm making this argument, but there's an argument to, that, to be made that, like, that the way Dalton was sliding coincided with the way Bostick's helmet was leaning, and it looked a lot worse than it was just because of like, the sheer geometry of it. But, like, I'm sorry. The optics were really bad. It just, it was a shot to the head. Um, I, I'm not justifying it. I'm not, and, and if they, if they suspended for John Bostick for multiple games, I would be completely fine with it. Like, it's just that this is where we live. You can't do it. You have to be smarter about it. He was clearly diving. It was just, it was dumb. It was, it was not, it, it was dumb. It was bad. And that's that. I kind of like how Del Rio <laughs> asked about it. He was like, I was pissed. Um, Cause it, a, it was third down. Yes, and we would have gotten him off. We would have gotten him off the field, and B, like everything the NFL is trying to teach, basically, basically did the opposite of. Right. Led with his helmet down, he dove at a sliding quarterback, and he knocked Dalton stone cold out. I think my bigger problem was that it was very clear that Dalton was was like going to slide, and like you still yeah. you lowered your head and your shoulder and more importantly you left your feet and i'm like how fucking stupid are you man like you're drilled on this all the time like i i'm sorry yeah i mean i i literally was like he sucks anyway so just cut him yeah that's the other thing right it's like we're not he, uh, he, he's not getting suspended for that hit uh, I which like, i thought was even more dubious than the fact that like i mean he was kicked out I of guess, the game so I, I guess that was that i guess but, the nfl chris russell tweeted this so the fact that i'm even your boy the rooster. Uh, I hate him. Uh, he tweeted out that he thinks that the NFL uh, looks at prior offenses, and because he has no prior offense, they don't view it as malicious, apparently. I would buy that. Um, which is why yeah, I, I kind of bought the ah, – fuck, rooster. Um, I kind of bought it too. So I, I guess that's where they're going. The other, the other person I had him down was uh, Hopkins. Hoppy. 
it sucks too because he's been you know Hopkins has been pretty solid for us for I don't know four or five years now. Um, but shout out to the I think I think they're called the Hogsty. Yeah, they they wrote an article about him last week that was pretty good. Basically, there's six kickers in the NFL that have been with one team for as long as he has, and he's middle of the pack. There's like Justin Tucker, who's <laughs> way up here. Yeah. Then you got pretty much just a muddled thing of kickers. Um, and there's been kicking problems all over the NFL this year. Just look at the Titans to start. It's because man, he left his soul in that New England. Um, but pretty much under 45 yards, Hopkins has been automatic in his career with the Redskins. His problem has been, I think he's got one of the worst kicking percentages from 50 yards or out. Yeah. Uh, he just never makes for the – but yesterday was his fourth missed kick. Now, granted, they are all deeper. I don't think – yesterday was his shortest miss, I think, and that was 44 yards. Um, but – and I, I told – when I sent Hopkins to you, I, I said I'm not ready to cut him. But I think he's in a contract year, and it's time to explore other kickers. Uh, maybe bring one in. I think we actually have one in our practice squad just in case. Um, but, I mean, four missed field goals in seven weeks is not good. Uh, I don't think he's missed an extra point that I know of. Maybe he has. <clears throat> don't recall. Uh, we, don't, we don't score a lot of touchdowns, so I feel like I would remember that. Um, but I, it's time to talk about it. You know, it's, he's 8 of 12. He's, he's only missed like six field goals like once in a, an entire season. Dude, he's, he's on pace to shatter that. So I put Hopkins in down. I don't know if you had him in your down. I thought he was. Hopkins didn't make my list. I'm of one of those people that like he's of all the problems this team has. He's still not in my top five yet. He is not. I'm not saying we're salt. We're good at that position. But I think kicker is one of those things where like it's either you have a great one. It's that jamboree of like interchangeable kickers in the middle or like you have a really really bad one and right now we kind of find ourselves in that middle of the pack probably on the lower end of the middle of the pack but nonetheless in that general area and um, I'm not ringing the alarm bell yet probably if he misses a potential game tire game winner then I'm going to be a lot more uh, pessimistic about things but that's how I view it as of this moment like I got a lot more problems than I'm worried about at the moment and when if we get some competition and we can either, I don't know, I'm not going to say draft someone, but like, you know, there's, I feel like kickers are a dime a dozen in terms of undrafted free agents coming out of college every year. Find somebody who's young, who's talented, who's got a strong leg and played well in college and they just, you know, nobody drafts kickers or lots of times kickers are not drafted more often than not. Then just try to get someone like that to push him and potentially surprise him when we have, if and when we have a normal training camp next year. Yeah. I mean, I, the reason I didn't put him on my like, no. I didn't say cut him, but like, He's three for six from 40 yards over one from 50. Uh, it's a reoccurring theme. Uh, and, you know, he's just, he just hasn't been great. And the fun part of winning and dominating a team is you get to nitpick on your down. Exactly. Uh, so Hopkins is my down. The other one was the Collins injury. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Moses, um, depending on how serious it is, but, We've been hard on Landon Collins, but he was playing well. And tearing your Achilles has got to suck. That's the big thing, right? Like, I, I, we've both, and I particularly so, like, I'll be the first one to say that, like, I have crushed Collins repeatedly on this podcast. 
Um, I, I don't want to see Landon Collins have his Achilles torn. Like, I don't want to see the majority of players have their suffer such a catastrophic injury, but particularly Landon Collins. Like, we hope he is healthy, and I hope he would leave and go elsewhere next season, and that would be my ideal outcome. But, like, I don't want this to happen to him. That really sucks, especially, as you just said, like, coming in a game where he made an impact right off the bat, he was playing well. Um, and, and those injuries – it's like the ACL from 10 to 15 years ago where like our methods of recovery are nowhere near as sophisticated as they are today. And to imagine that he's going to be even 80 or 90% of the same player anytime soon is really difficult. So like, that's just, that's tough to see. That's, that really sucked. Um, when he, when he got injured and the way he grabbed the back of his leg, I got flashes of crossing sports of Kevin Durant in the 2019 NBA finals. Um, when the Warriors were playing the, the Raptors and like, you could just see the way Durant was kind of grabbing the back of his ankle and, and you know, holding that area and it, the way Collins did it, they I think they zoomed in on it for just a hot second. And like, I got a flash of that and they were like, Oh, it's a high ankle. I'm like, yo bro, that's not a high ankle. That's, that's the back of your leg where your Achilles tendon is. Yeah. So, um, that, Anytime a player goes down like that, it's not an ankle. Right. And my, like my, one of my closest friends from college, we were playing basketball and he went up for a rebound. This is a dude who's, Six four, six five, can like windmill dunk, the whole thing. He goes up for a rebound and comes down and just goes down. And he's he literally out loud goes, "It's gone." You know, it's just as an athlete when it happens, you just you know. And you knew by his reaction, he or yeah. he, you knew that he knew. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, it came out came out that was like, yeah, we think it's an like it was speculative, but they were like, boy, we fear it's an Achilles injury injury. I guess he just went ahead and texted whatever name is Josie Anderson. It was Josie Anderson. Yeah. And was like, yeah, I'm going to need surgery. I tore it. <laughs> well, so like the OBJ story today, which was also not a surprise if anyone saw the yeah. way his leg whipped into that offensive lineman. Yeah. My, my point is like, maybe the, maybe the team's just not allowed to give out information yet. Uh, but like when you tear your Achilles, there's no like, maybe. Yeah. Like, it's gone. I think they have to be careful in that one in a hundred case where it's not. Yeah, and like they have to guard against that. Like even if it's a ninety-nine percent probability, because it's not confirmed diagnosis, they can't say it. Even though like it's all but confirmed, so I think that's what, what it's just the quote-unquote abundance of caution, if you will. Um, yeah, poor guy. Getting back on the good side, not to belittle any anything, especially the Landon Collins injury, uh, but kind of getting back to the positive light of things. Um, one thing, so I was taking I, I was taking notes throughout the course of the game. Took a lot of them almost charted the entire game in my notebook because I like to go back and look at drives and like when the game, you know, like when quarters and how drives unfold and stuff like that. There was one statement I kept writing over and over through the course of the game. Second effort run by Antonio Gibson. Second oh, effort so good. By, by Antonio Gibson. Second effort productivity by Antonio Gibson. Second effort yards by Antonio Gibson. Dude, that guy, the second effort yards again by him were just fantastic yesterday. Like he would, you know, hit the hole, get a couple, and then the leg churn would get him double of what he originally got off the first shot um, and route to his 20 carries for 128 yards and 6.4 yards per carry. Like uh, through the first quarter, he was on pace for over 200 yards rushing. And the 40 yard end around run he had, uh, we should run that play more often because A, he's so quick that he hit that corner. Top he hit the corner top speed and he basically, which to be fair, this is actually something Kime keeps referencing and that he needs to get better at. He basically beat all the blockers to the hole because <laughs> he was so fast. And he just took off around the corner. And I was like, whoa. Um, 
So you get this like playmaking speed when he can really get to the edge. And then to your point, like, and I said this, what game did I do by myself? The Browns? No. Whatever game, I forget what game I did a podcast by myself. It was the Browns. No, it was the Ravens game. If we're foreshadowing, you're probably going to have to do the Giants game by yourself. Um, The... I said, like, my favorite attribute from, from Gibson is he always falls forward. And I hate when announcers say it because it's so cliche. Uh, but with him, it's so true, dude. Every time he's in that pile, the pile just kept going forward. Um, and he's a hard runner. He's, I, didn't, I, I always forget how big he is. Um, but he had 94 yards rushing in the first half. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I think we got – kind of lucky with the way the game played out because we, we could dial him back a little and you know in the second half we didn't need to abuse him um because we got barber there we got mckissick slowly becoming one of my favorite players um knows his role is not gonna be amazing though he was on the field for more snaps than gibson um uh, but did you right gibson is is uh you know we got a running back yeah. which and we got him in the third round and We've referenced this 15 times in the last year. If it wasn't for John Kime saying, I wonder if they'll draft Gibson. I had no idea who this guy was. Yeah, and my reaction to that is well documented both at the time and the being wrong about it. Um, I loved the fact that, as you just said, they pulled back Gibson towards the second half and they were just really doing the body blows to a very tired Cowboys defense. It was very apparent. They were like, just get us out of this game. Get us off the field. Let the clock hit, you know, triple zeros, and let us just get the hell off the field. Um, that was the Cowboys defense for a majority of the game, especially in the second half. Like, they were so tired out from the first half and being on the field all the damn time. And we were just stuffing them, with, particularly with Barber and McKissick. And Barber, as we said, captain 2.7 yards per carry. Like, you just keep pounding him. You know, he runs tough. He doesn't get anywhere, but he runs really tough. And just having to take, you know – um, blow by blow by blow of those two. Uh, I, I love, I think McKissick provides us a lot. I mean, in many cases, maybe even slightly better, although it's probably a little bit of recency bias of what like Chris Thompson provided us before he got started getting in, uh, hurt. Like, I think it was Chris Thompson circa 2017 when he was like really, 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 really good. Um, McKissick isn't nearly that productive in terms of the actual output, like, but just that spark. Um, yeah, I, one of the few things where I was, signings I was actually excited about in the offseason so far. Um, I mean, obviously the numbers aren't that fantastic, but nothing is with this offense at the moment outside of uh, the guy we're about to mention very momentarily. Um, but yeah, just a nice a nice pitch to have in the repertoire in addition to the other two guys. So for those listening, all three of you, the we had – Raj and I had three different – we had different ups – uh, Gibson was his, in his up. Uh, Gibson was not in my up. However, I'm going to give a shout-out to one of my ups because I'm just going to go with yours and we can go down that list. But uh, it segues from the running backs. The left side of the offensive line yesterday didn't hear their name. And that is all anyone can ask for. So shout-outs for me were uh, Wes Schweitzer, yep. who, who's like played great since he came in for Scherf. Uh, by the way, he's having Scherf back. What a boon! Forgot how good of a guard he can be when he's when he's rolling. But Schweitzer's been pretty good. We don't hear him. And then I was kind of low key, semi terrified for uh, Cornelius Lucas because everyone kept saying he's bad. I guess, I guess I'm just not going to listen to JP Finley because they were also hyping up Aki. Um, uh, but 
Grant Paulson tweeted this today. I'm going to read it to you. In his first start at left tackle, Cornelius Lucas was asked to pass block in 31 different dropbacks. He allowed zero pressures, zero hits, and zero hurries. That is like next level left tackle play. Um, Against a defensive line that has Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Green. Yeah. Um, so shout out to them. Played really well. Like, look, we've been spoiled at the left tackle position. We went from Samuels to, to Trent, right? And no one's expecting that kind of play this this year but when they play well you got to tip the cap and they played great so absolutely um i mean lawrence and griffin had a little bit but like it obviously must have come on the other side and again moses was banged up i'm not going to hold it against him um but the offensive line in particular played really well i probably wasn't as bullish on the left side but i can't disagree with anything that you just said especially because like i you didn't have that glaring what the hell was he doing there a la west martin type of no no false starts no holdings like nothing I still think it speaks volumes that after Sidney Charles, God bless his soul, went, went down after, you know, three plays or whatever in the last game, and they went straight to Schweitzer, and they were like, no, Wes, you sit on Wes the Martin. bench. Yeah. You, you never so get to get up. Just, just screw your butt onto the bench, because that's where you will live right now. Um, I, I, I like to say nice things about Kyle Smith, ticket up, unearthed gems. Wes Martin wasn't one of those unearthed gems. That's, that's not one of them, right? Um, Unearth gem in the third round, however, is Terry McLaurin. We talk about him seemingly every week, and I think he gets. We should be talking about him again. Uh, most notably was you know burning Trayvon Diggs, as we mentioned, um, but he had a couple of big catches and just continued to, you know, do things like a top twenty, top twenty-five wide receiver in the NFL should do. He was, uh, I think, had another hundred. I think it was one hundred seventeen yards is what he finished with. But um, huh. It was 90 yards. Oh, okay. All right. I thought he hit the triple zeros, but whatever. Or the triple digits, rather. Uh, which is great. Um, his speech at the end of the game. Oh, so know, good. I maybe want to run through a brick wall right then and there. Like, just excellent stuff. Um, hard not to love the guy. Consummate professional. Nothing else you can say about him. Or, I mean, there's plenty else you can say about him. But, like, you know, it's we're all repeating ourselves at this point. Yeah, if you look at the target shares, they're pretty interesting. Um McLaurin was targeted 11 times. The other receivers were targeted once. Uh, he is legitimately our only receiver. Uh, he gets double covered. He, you know, every single safety help, you know, coverage scheme is rotated towards him. And this dude's on pace for almost 14,000 yards um, or first 1,400 yards. Um, you know, he went for 790 and one uh, against the Cowboys. He had that just sweet touchdown. Uh, but it wasn't even his best catch. His best catch came on a third and 11 on a little out route where he got both feet down in coverage, uh, which, by the way, demonstrated how weak of an arm Kyle Allen has. Uh, that thing was just lobbed in there. Um, but he's just so good. And then when he spoke up and he was like, yeah, I know I'm a young guy and I'm not a captain, everyone in that room knows he's the captain of the offense. He's the best player – Best player on the offense by a mile. The only reason why Haskins got the C was because he worked hard in the offseason, and he specifically said, my goal is to be the captain. So people were just like, fine, here you go. He, McLaurin is our captain. Um, and if we're going to, like, figure – he's also – Ron probably loves him. Ron's probably like, dude, how much money do you want? I'm ready to throw the bag If Ron you. wants a culture guy, McLaurin is the literal textbook definition of culture guy. Yeah, dude. Um and if you just look at his stats, so he's gone for 61, 125, 83, 118, kind of had a dud against the Rams, uh, but he also had, had Ramsey on him. Uh, 
74 and 90. So he really only has, we'll say, one bad game. And that Rams game was also the game Alex Smith played, so there was no chance he was going to catch the ball anyway. So the only thing I'm going to say additional to this is and on Twitter, people are, like, obsessed with comparing Terry McLaurin and D.K. Metcalf. I think they're totally different receivers. Uh, they're both studs. But McLaurin has been <laughs> – McLaurin's had uh, – who was our quarterback started last year? And what was his name? Which one? Uh, Keenum. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about Jesus. I even forgot yeah, about Case Keenum throwing to him. Wow. Then, he had, then he had Cole McCoy throw to him against the Patriots. Then he had Dwayne. This year he's had Dwayne, Alex Smith, and – it's five, it's five, it's five, five different quarterbacks. Five different quarterbacks in 21 career games. That's like, imagine how good this guy would be if we, we had a competent quarterback. That's what I keep, keep coming back. And then the, the reason I bring up DK is everyone keeps comparing them, but DK has Russell thrown to him. Who's comparing him to DK Metcalf? I mean, that's, that's not an apple and an orange comparison. That's an apple and a garlic brand. Like, they're not the same player by any stretch. If you want to compare McLaurin to a DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown, minus the craziness, like, those are apt comparisons. DK Metcalf? Like, DK Metcalf is in the – It's just because they were drafted. They were drafted the same draft. DK went in the second round. I think, said, I think it was the last pick of the second round, if I'm not mistaken. Just McLaurin, <laughs> McLaurin was the special the teams ace of the third round. Yeah, right? That's the stupidest comparison. I mean, if they're really trying to compare him as, like, the type of player, like, if you want to compare their productivity, fine, like, whatever. But, like, that's idiotic. It's very similar. And – yeah, and also Metcalf is a 6'3", 230-pound monster who, like, people are just worried about any lateral agility. Did you, watch, did you watch that tweet I sent you? Yes, I did watch the tweet. Oh, I so good. It tremendous. I sent it to all my friends, and they were like, so can we go to Vegas now? Yeah, uh, so good. So good. Um, as an aside, uh, I, was, I watched, as I'm sure you did as well, the entire Seahawks-Cardinals game, and um, that, lo- that loss against the Cardinals feels a lot less stingy now considering how good the Cardinals are and, you know, how impossible it is to do anything against Kyler. Kyler. Kyler's a stud. Yeah. That guy is greased lightning, man. Yeah. The, both those guys are – they're just playing a different game. Um, let's just take a quick second on Kyle Allen. I, I don't think there's – you, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of like his arm strength was, you know, it is. Oh, weird. dude, he's got a noodle arm. Um, but, you know, just for the, the usual quarterback report section of this podcast, um, I think the big takeaway for me with Kyle Allen was like when Rivera made the switch from Allen, uh, from Haskins to Allen, like this is kind of what he was hoping for. The quarterback who can manage the offense and make, deliver the throws within the construct of the scheme itself. And I know, fans of the WFD hate hearing this and like scheme quarterback and talent, blah, 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 and all the nonsense you stop and talk about. Right. But 15, I mean, 25 attempts on the whole day, 25 attempts is not a lot. 25 attempts the whole game, 194 yards. That's a very Kyle Allen stat line. Um, He had a couple of, he had several key third down conversions in important moments. And I think that was the, that transcends his stat line. Um, he hit a few big throws, namely to McLaurin, but among others, um, you know, he made a couple of dumb throws in the fourth quarter. Like it almost seemed like in a couple instances, he was trying to throw the game away at some points uh, late in the game. But like, I think it was just so out of hand at that point. But um, 
you know, it's just very manage the game. I think you wrote something like, this is just like drive the car or something to that effect. But like, this, this is who he is. Yeah, so from here on out, he will be known as Air Raid Allen. A-R-A is what I'm going with. Shout out to Smalley. Uh, he did it. Oh, dude, <laughs> Nick Foles is so bad. Um, that was, yeah, that was a gangbang. Uh, look, he's my guy, Air Raid Allen over here. He's, he's been pretty good. Um, you know, we're not going to build the team around him. We're not, you know, any, we're not like he's not going to win a Super Bowl, anything like that. But if you told me we're going to trade a fifth round pick for like a stable backup quarterback, I'd do it every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Um, look, Allen's come in. He, he makes, to your point, he like, makes the throws that the team wants. He understands where the ball should go. He knows where all his receivers are going to be. His sheer pocket presence is just so much better than Dwayne's. And it's even not even, it's not even that good. <laughs> uh, and it's just night and day better than Dwayne. Um, yeah, look, he's, he's going to, he's going to have his just brutal moments. Like uh, when he, you know, casually fumbles a game away against the giants. Um the throw in the fourth quarter you're referencing came when we were in the red zone on yep. like second down. He basically threw it to three Cowboys, just right where the three Cowboys weren't. Um, which I'm sure Scott or uh, Scott Turner was probably like, "What in the shit were you doing?" But look, man, we've, he's been the starter for three games. Uh, he's played basically two full games, and his QBR is seventy. Uh, Dwayne is still dead last in the league at 31. I was going to say, wasn't that double Dwayne Haskins'? It's QBR? more than double. Right. Uh, and to your point, like, when you have Gibson chewing up these yards and we're in third and six, third and five, like, you've got to be able to convert. And we're at 60% the last two weeks converting third downs with him. Uh, and some of it is because he knows where to go with the ball. Most of it has to do with third and being manageable. But then you have the third and nine and, and – He's got some wheels. I was going to say, he, made it, he, he finds moments to scramble as well, which kind of throws you off because he's just such a system quarterback, like hit his, you know, hit the fifth step in his drop, deliver the football, get it out of his hands to the right read, even if it's a shallow read. But yeah, he has those moments when shit breaks down. He's not going to get popped from behind. Um, sometimes he's not athletic enough to outrush some of the, some of the, some of the demons. But, um, but other than that, like, um, yeah, he, he, he's had some moments where he, um, Outruns everyone. I think old school NFL pe- people would say he's got some moxie. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's a little cocky. And uh, I kind of love it. I like the fact that he's running for first downs and telling the camera to shush, even though there's nobody in the stands and we're at home. Um, I mean, look, people bashed Rivera for making the switch. Hell, I thought it was a bad move. <laughs> But I understand why he did it. Uh, and I keep coming back to when Rivera said, 52 players can't wait around for one player to develop. And then you hear you hear that, and then also fuck the media for saying all these mixed messages. There's no mis- mixed message in that locker room. And then you hear Terry talk about, like, get yourself right. Get your bodies right. Let's come back. We're right where we want to be. We're in the thick of this, Right. I understand why he went to Allen because he gives us the best chance to win. We're in a horrific division. We could finish second in the division and still pick in the top five. Like, and we could win it at six and 10. 
and we can win at six and ten. Like, I understand where Rivera's coming from. I know a lot of people don't like it. Um, but if our team shows incremental progress and it's because we have a quarterback who can get the ball out, we can actually judge some pieces moving forward, then so be it. Uh, plus, if, you, if you can't see the improvement in the offense between Kyle Allen playing quarterback and Dwayne Haskins playing quarterback, it's because you don't want to see that improvement. It's overtly obvious. It, it, it can't be any more obvious. Kyle Allen is not Peyton Manning, but he is markedly and definitively better at doing his job at this point in time than Dwayne Haskins is. I, I'm sorry if anyone feels offended by that. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny to see the fan base now that Allen's won a game. They're like, well, maybe, maybe he's not that bad. <laughs> it's like, you just thought he was bad because you were in love with Dwayne. And now you realize that he's actually a lot better than Dwayne. Also Dwayne, God, dude, I wanted him to be so good. He just isn't good. The, the whatever it was he did before the game, like, come on, right? Oh, like, the COVID thing? Yeah, like, just... booked a room for a family friend. I was like, dude, your coach is going through chemo. Like, just your entire knock is your immaturity, and you go and do immature things, right? Like, talk about reinforcing a stereotype or talking about shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, I don't... I keep coming back to the fact that he's not had now had one, two, and three. He's had three coaches all say he needs to grow up, uh, which in the NFL is three more coaches or two more coaches than you probably usually get. Um, but to, to Allen, Allen, cause he's our quarterback now and probably the rest of the year, I would imagine. Uh, if we get into a shootout, we're going to lose, but if we control the ball and defense plays well, Allen's going to give us a chance to win. Uh, that's the more that's, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, we have a chance to win pretty much every game because our defense is pretty damn good. So using that as a segue, a lot has also been discussed. You know, everyone's got Ray Allen, baby. The the the, 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 Allen. the burgundy or whatever color we are now, uh, glasses are back on. And everyone's been looking ahead because we're coming yeah. up on the bye week this Sunday and being like, hey, you know, we could be uh, six and five by the time, you know, for a month from now or whatever, or five weeks from now. Um, so the next four after the bye, for those who are not aware, the playing those uh, world-beaten New York Giants again. Uh, we're at Detroit, home against Cincinnati, and then Thanksgiving at Dallas. I'm going to put aside the Giants games and the, and the Giants game and the Cowboys game for a moment. Um, I know life seems a lot more cheerful after this win, but we really we're need not to... going to beat. We're not going to beat the Lions. I, we need to stop overlooking the Lions and the in the Bengals. I'm saying we're not, I, I if you ask me, we're going to beat the Lions or we're going to beat the Bengals. I'm more bearish on the Bengals than we than we are about the Lions. Like, uh, Stafford's Joe, good. Joe Burrow can play. I'll get to Stafford in a second, right? But if you watch Joe Burrow play and then you go back and watch Dwayne Haskins play, like. The difference is light years. It's light years. And considering the intertwined history the two of them have together in terms of their, you know, past Ohio State, like, it's hilarious when you look at them now. Like, Joe Burrow is a gamer, right? Um, you know, Tyler Boyd can play over there. I know Mixon's banged up. He probably will miss this. He'll, he'll probably miss the game against, against Washington. But, like, uh, T. Higgins is coming along. I think A.J. Green's probably run out of a little gas. But, like, they've got pieces there. I think the one if you want to say, like, there's – or two areas, I should say, actually, about Cincinnati that, like, they've got – You say Higby? Isn't he there? T. Higgins. Higgins. Who's yeah, their tight uh, No, they've got a bunch of dudes. They've got Uzoma and Drew Sample. They're tight ends. Higby's over in L.A. Um, 
But what was I going to say that uh, their offensive line is kind of garbage. Like Joe Burrow has been running for his life all season and he's still been doing the things that he's been doing, so, which is insane. Um, and their defense needs work, especially the front seven of their defense. So like, that's the only saving grace there, but back to Detroit, like Matt Stafford's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now. And like, Stafford's so good. And it's not everyone throws around this top 10 moniker. Like, no, I have empirical data that I will tell you that Matt Stafford is a top 10 quarterback. Go back and read my column for those of you who follow me on Twitter. Like he is legitimately a top 10 quarterback. Kenny Galladay is a legitimate top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. Second year tight end TJ Hawkinson is starting to come around. DeAndre Swift, he's starting to come around. They've got Adrian Peterson, who we all remember. Like they've got pieces on offense. Uh, their defense is pretty trash. And if you want to talk about trash, their coach is really, really trash. But, yeah. like, but, that dude, that dude's a waste of space. He's a complete and utter un, unmitigated waste of human flesh. Um, but like point being their offense can move and it's not like our offense is that capable of taking advantage of bad defenses. Right. So uh, no, I, I would not underestimate the lions. I know the lions are not exactly the bastion of success in the NFL, but like, don't overlook this team. They've just self-flagellated themselves all year, but they've played really hard and they just beat Atlanta. Not that Lions lost major accomplishment either, but Lions went winless in a season. Then they were like zero and four. Stafford was a rookie, and they beat us. Yeah. So I will never overlook the Lions because they had lost twenty consecutive games. <laughs> they beat us. And that team had like Campbell and Moss and Portis, and we still lost. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Stafford's great. I, I just think he's his career's wasted in. Detroit playing for Matt Patricia. It's a very Archie uh, Manning career. Yeah, who says things like, I had to come here and clean up this mess. And it's like, dude, you, you inherited a team that had multiple winning seasons in a row. You inherited a 9-17 and 17 that was, couple, was a, like a, a quarter away from a playoff appearance and you're cleaning yeah. shit up. You nimrod. Yeah. Uh, my, I'm a little bullish against the Bengals. Uh, luckily, I don't have to pick that game yet. But one of the reasons being – one of the reasons being uh, – the two games we've won have been against offensive lines that suck. Well, the Bengals might have the worst offensive line in football. Uh, and if we go into that game help with a healthy defensive line, we are going to cause some serious havoc. If it's not Dallas, it's Cincinnati. They're, they're, yeah. they're pretty well down at the bottom of the list. Um, so that's, that's where I, I've – look, Burrow's sweet. Um, but how, is he going to be sweet when Chase Young's running a 4-4-1 off the, off the edge? You know, we'll see. Uh, but let's talk about the Giants because they're next. Obviously, for those listening, if if you live under a rock or just like to listen to us talk, next week we have a bye. And uh, the NFC East, the Giants are going to lose to whoever they play. And then the Cowboys and Eagles play each other for first place. Uh, I'm kind of – might root for Dallas in that game because the Eagles have this fucking tie <laughs> – that's driving me up a wall. And remember when we had that tie a few years ago and we almost won the division because of it? Yeah, it's kind of the same situation with the Eagles. The London game against Cincinnati. Yeah, speaking of Hopkins, uh, which also maybe the most drunk I've ever been for a football game. Because <laughs> um, it was London and started at, what, 9 o'clock in the morning? It's something like that, yeah. Uh, but the Giants game in two weeks, like, look, I'm gonna look, at, look at it this way. We're two yards away from being three and four. 3-0 in the division, and in, well, not just in first place, but alone in first place. Um, I think we are going to stop the Giants. Uh, Antonio Gibson doesn't fall down on that arrow route, we're 3-4. and four. Yeah, dude. Like, I think we are going to beat them up. 
for a couple of reasons. One, I picked us to beat the Cowboys. So I'm, I'm like rolling on some of these predictions. And now I'm putting the burgundy shade, burgundy shades on just like I did against the Cardinals. But this is a much more winnable game. We got, we got no Saquon, which they didn't have in the last game anyway. We got Danny Dimes or Daisy Dukes, as you like to call him, out here doing – Falling COVID. in the open field. <laughs> Falling in the open field and going COVID party. And probably yeah, that was a good one too. It probably gets like suspended or something. Uh, for all this talk about like team, like Judge is going to have that problem with that. Three, you're going to have a team that's motivated. Ron done chemo. They're going to want to. We are going to want to win that game because we should have won the first game. Uh, we're at home. There's going to be fans at this game, uh, which I think will be a very underrated part of. It. I mean, the stadium is not loud to dump anyway, but like. Fans being there, I think, will help us. I think it'll energize the team even a little more. Plus, we'll be healthy. Um, look, I think we, I think we might steamroll. Uh, I'm really scared to do that because every time I think we're going to win, we usually lose. But I just got this feeling: the team really wants to win for Ron, and we are going to win that game. And I think if, we're going to beat them up. If we have back-to-back games of boat racing, Dallas and the Giants, I don't know what I would do with myself because I. I, I I think we're going to do it. The question is, who's going to play strong safety? Are we going to go sign Eric Reed, or are we going to throw a curl and just have him play every I game? think it's going to be – so that was – it's a great – I'm glad you brought that up. Like when, when, um, when Collins went down, the first thing I did was starting to like kind of stare at the screen. I'm like, tell me they didn't bring an Aki. Tell me they didn't bring an Aki. Tell me they didn't bring no, an Aki. They running curl. And I was like, oh, man, that is a ringing indictment of, of, of Troy Aki. And I'm like, okay. So – they mean business. They're like, no, Troy Apke, you really, really, really suck. Um, Which he does. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 we should have beat them in New York. Um, did Apke play in that game? I think he had a, he, he made a cameo and then, but not did like he, a Is that the game one? he officially got benched for? Did Everett start that game? I can't remember. They're all leaning together. I'll have to go back and look at my notes. But uh, that sounds, that sounds accurate. Yeah. I think, I think we're going to beat them. Um, and... Look, Daniel Jones is not that bad. He's, his career record is, except for the Redskins. Um, Still turning the ball over. I just, I just like, I don't know. I, I don't think I would have said this if I hadn't seen the Terry clip after, after the game. I just really, really, really think the team is fired up for Ron. And they realize they have a chance to actually win the division, even though we're terrible. And I think they're going to win. It's a really good bad juju cleaning win right in so many different ways and you know it feels like like you know how a lot of times the team will stumble out of the gates just everything seems to go wrong and then like a couple of things come together and it can bump things going the wrong the right direction like using a silly example but like 2001 0 and 5 marty goes five and five right like tony banks baby you know like <laughs> I mean, Kyle Allen might be Tony Banks in some in some capacity, right? Like no one no one ran play action like Tony Banks, um, and we beat the Super Bowl bound Ravens in that in that uh, in that stretch. So um, we're defending Super Bowl we champions. I know Tony Banks as the Redskins. You know what? I think you're right. Beat the Ravens. I am almost positive of this. But that wasn't he their quarterback the year before? I'm gonna look this up right now. No, the maybe Banks was the Ravens quarterback. Because you know what? The Ravens won in 2000. 
maybe it was he was the quarterback, and then he got benched for Dilfer because they didn't score a touchdown for like five yes, games. That's what it was. Banks played against us. We beat them, and then they went to Dilfer, and that's what snapped it because the the Ravens didn't score touchdowns for like one touchdown against us. I knew Banks had something to do with that game. And then yes, Banks did come to us after we bent after Kent Graham and Jeff George, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Wow. What a gloried history of the quarterback position in Washington. People, you know, it's funny about that. So Twitter obviously wasn't around then. And I'm on the Halo District Twitter a lot more than, than you are because I just have it up at work all the time. And it's really fun to see some of these Twitter accounts. Uh, some of them are really good. Like these guys, they're young. They just like pour their lives. Oh, that came out weird. Pour their lives into um, – to the Redskins, they do these podcasts, and, and they're good. I listen, I listen to some of them. They're pretty good. But it's really entertaining to see how young a lot of them are. And an example of this is people are just going in on Ron. Mixed message, yada, yada. Can't believe we haven't a coach like this in forever. I'm like, I'm like, dudes, y'all clearly went around when we lost fucking by 30 for the first three weeks with Marty, and everyone thought it was the worst team in the world. I mean, we I, we I remember we played the Chargers. I think we might have been week one or two, and we I don't even know if we scored. I think we lost like forty-five to nothing. I'll never forget. Talking about Norris' first game? No, Marty's. Go look up the scores of Marty's like first three games. Oh yeah, I remember that Kansas City game. I think it was like forty-two to ten or forty-five to ten. That was maybe, the game yeah, maybe it was Kansas City. Yeah, George, I just remember getting two or three annihilated. It was awful. Um, the one that made me feel really really old is some dude about as about a month, two to three weeks ago, posted something. They were like. He posted a list of every quarterback since like 1994, like until 94. And he goes, among oh. this list, who was yeah, yeah, your yeah. first starting quarterback? I was like, Jay Schrader in 86 <laughs> or 87. I was like, it was, it was 87. It's like Jay Schrader is the first starting quarterback that I can remember. It's not even, he's seven years off your fucking list. So tell me about feeling old. I'm like, I remember Jay Schrader. And you're talking about like John Freeze and Heath Schuler and Gus. And well, that was, that was me. Um, the first, well, the first, the, yeah. the first Redskins quarterback I truly remember um, was the dude before Schuler. So John Freeze. Freeze. Yeah. So yeah. Freeze is the first one I remember. Schuler's the first one that like, I'm like, okay, I, re- I remember watching him play. Does that make sense? Like I remember Freeze. Yeah. But Schuler, and then Fraught was like the first quarterback. I was like, we're going to the Super Bowl. Gus was my guy. From the, that first preseason game against the Buffalo Bills when he was throwing passes to, I believe it was Stephen Hobbs, but, like, that was my guy. Gus was always my guy, never like Schuler. Gus also, was- okay, I found, I found this. I, I had to look it up. We – so the Chargers were the first game. Was it the Chargers? I can't remember. It went, went Chargers-Packers-Chiefs. Here are the scores of our first three games with Marty. The Chargers beat us 30-3. to three. <laughs> With, uh, I wonder if Damian was on that team. Yeah, he was. So the Chargers beat us 33. Then we, then we at home. That then would we be played LT's the first game. Then we played the Packers. They beat us 37 to nothing. <laughs> and then we played Kansas City, and we lost 45 to 13. So for those keeping score at home, we got annihilated. And then we ended up going 8 and 8. Yep. After being 0-5. After, after Rod 50-50 Gardner popped like a 2-13 against the Panthers. After dropping everything in sight, and then he had that big game. and everyone oh, he, had that every, dive, he had that dive and catch in overtime. Everyone started going from calling him 50-50 to 2-13 after that because he had that one random game. 
because Rod Gardner loved the club. He did not love football. He loved the club. And uh, that was always didn't, his thing. Didn't LeVar – oh, man, we should have won. We should have beat the Cowboys. Cowboys beat us 9-7. to seven. Uh, I was just going down this. That, that Panthers game, I think, is the game that uh, LeVar picked off uh, Chris Winkie and took it to the house. Is that the same game? It has to be if he picked off Chris Winkie because Winkie was their quarterback back then because the Panthers drafted him after the Sugar Bowl when they beat Virginia Tech in the national championship. So it was – oh, my word, what a terrible game. It was 7 nothing going into the fourth quarter. And they kicked three field goals? And then it was 14 nothing after my favorite name in football scored a touchdown. I'll give you a hint. He was a running back. Skip Hicks? Nope. Tim Biakabatuka. Tim Biakabatuka. I remember him. Uh, and then LeVar picked off six, 67 yard touchdown. Then Ron Gardner caught an 85 yard touchdown pass from Tony Banks. And the rest of this day is history. And then the second win or third win in that row was against the Giants. And that was when the hot mic on the field caught Marty shouting, We're on a fucking roll. And it was hot at the time. And it was on live broadcast. I remember sitting on, in front of my television watching it. I was like, Oh, someone forgot to dub that. Memories. Hey, we. Man. we Almost made the playoffs. My favorite memory of that season, and I say that tongue in cheek, was that um, you know they uh, Marty came on and he firmly said he goes and he went to Snyder and he goes, "If I come, Vinny leaves." And so Vinny was in exile. He had to go to you know, he had to go to um, Elba for a year, and um, and the scouting staff was like so. It was before the two thousand one draft. The scouting staff was like putting together their group or whatever or whatever year Marty was there, I think it was 2001, because Spurrier came in 02, if I'm not mistaken. And um, they're preparing their draft or whatever, and they're like, you know, we really like the Santana Moss kid. We really, really like him. Like, and they, you know, they're all coming together, putting the board on, and Marty walks in, he goes, we're drafting Rod Gardner. Walks out, and they drafted Rod Gardner. Gardner went to Clemson, didn't he? He did go to Clemson. They drafted God, he sucked. He was awful. Just awful. All, all body, no brain, no heart, no, nothing, right? Although I th- he probably had 1,000 yards that year. And everybody was so fixated on Santana Moss's lack of height, and they missed the fact that the guy was, you know, just lightning in the bottle, and obviously he made his, here, made his way here anyway. Um, and my other favorite story was when I was uh, – when the night um, – the night that Snyder sent home Lavernius Coles – I was working at the Post, actually, when – Lavernius Coles demanded a trade and Snyder sent in the big screen going the closest you'll ever see to the field again is watching the game at home. And that's when they facilitated the trade for uh, Moss a few years later. You love Moss. Well, we actually had, I mean, Stephen Davis was on this team, went for 1,400 yards, Michael Westbrook, Rod Gardner, Stephen Alexander. I guess that 90, ah, that 99 team was so good. And then we fucked it. The Turks. I don't think oh, we would have gotten that. We wouldn't have gotten any further anyway, because that was the '99 Rams that year. But it would have been fun to watch them instead of the the Buccaneers in that 11 to six game. Bert Emanuel for the Buccaneers. I don't remember the championship game because I, I think I cried when we messed up that field goal. As you should have. It's probably one of the worst, um, worst moments in a long time. On that note, um, we will call We're it be here. The Giants. I'm not not saying we're going to beat the Giants. I'm just going also, to admit that. Dan Snyder, I haven't forgotten about your mess, Washington Post. I'm going to get it in every single. I'm going to get it in every single podcast. I haven't. Make sure forgotten. you bring that up. I was going to say you can't. Don't don't let the good vibes overlook the fact that Dan Snyder is a really really shitty owner and even worse human being. Um, 
And now on that note, we will call it an evening. Uh, thank you so much for listening for everyone who's made it this far. Once again, make sure you subscribe to us on the usual channels and we'll try to get some content out. Maybe Pat will do something. Maybe I'll do something. We'll figure that out in the off week because we don't want to go that long, but um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call the win against the giants too. So let's just, let's, let's just go say you heard it here first because you know, what the hell else we got to do. But until then, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.